0: I look forward to meeting you and to serving you well. I would love to play a part in decreasing your pain and increasing your happiness. See you soon.
1: So let's talk about what needs to be in place. The metaphor I used with the guys last night is, imagine that we've gotten our way to Denver, crossing the plains, and now we're trying to decide if if we can make it through the mountains to get to Salt Lake before we die. Unfortunately, our peers, both non-professional and professional, have been asking the wrong questions. This phase is similar to the, the phase of ready to get engaged to a man. So one, two, and three, verbal, cognitive, and emotional intimacy might be considered the early dating phases before you let a man put a ring on your finger, before you decide to start thinking about setting a date for long-term commitment, we want to ask ourselves questions. These four questions tend to be the most common questions that are asked by society that do not help. In all of my research, these four questions do not increase the chance of a successful relationship. But they are the most common things people think about in their 20s when they decide to get married. Am I sufficiently attracted to this person? Am I in love? Do we like the same things? Does this person meet my needs? But if we throw those four questions in the garbage, what are we supposed to replace them with? New questions. Now, what I want you to notice as you go through these questions is you as a mother already know all these questions. You're not going to read any question that surprises you because they are the exact questions you would have for your daughter or your son if they were getting ready to get married. But the fascinating thing about human psychology is we don't even think of asking ourselves these questions, but we know they're the exact right questions for our children, our adult children. So notice that you're going to get the sensation of, I already knew that was the right question to ask. If I've done my job correctly, I'm being a second witness to the Holy Ghost of what you already know if I do my job right? Have I gathered enough information about this person so that I really know what I'm getting myself into if I make a long-term commitment? Should I continue to gather information because it is premature to make a decision? Should we continue to work on verbal, cognitive, and emotional intimacy before we make any commitment? Now, think of yourself talking to your 20-year-old daughter, your 22-year-old son. And would you ask this question? Do you feel like you have enough information to know what you're really getting yourself into? Now, why is that a silly question to ask a 21-year-old? Because they don't care. I don't care. I like them. They are yummy. And I like to smooch them and snuggle with them and laugh with them. But you should really make sure you know enough about them to make a commitment. We've been dating for six weeks, mom. What are you making a big deal about? Should I continue to gather more? What do I hear in my work with marriage repair? Should I keep gathering information? No, because it makes him mad when I keep gathering information. It frustrates him when I keep gathering information. When I say I'm not ready, so I need to be ready so he's not frustrated. May I remind you of one of the lessons from the season four work. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. If you're going to have a healthy relationship, your decision must be based on personal inspiration, not on his pressure. And if he is pressuring you and leaning on your side of the bridge, then he's not stable himself. There should be no pressure. Healthy men do not pressure their wives. Healthy men inspire their wives. It's one of the easiest indicators of whether or not you're in a healthy relationship. Or whether he's ready for one. Number two, have I consulted God with an open and faithful mind as to whether or not I'm expected by God to continue to fulfill this stewardship, or have I been released from this calling? I've had women come to me and say, "But Maurice, I made a temple covenant." All right, I agree. You have made a a, a covenant. You have I received a calling. You have submitted yourself to the calling of being a wife, but temple covenants can be broken by the other person which can release you from the calling now i have the luxury of not being god so i will never be answering this one for you i never know whether or not you're asked to continue to strive to fulfill the stewardship the same woman that i referred to earlier as long as she feels like it's part of her calling to strive to function as a wife It is her stewardship to be discerning, to see if it's wisest to function like a healthy female roommate or to function like a wife based on what he brings to the table. And she's striving to be good at both. You can be good at both. You guys have been multitasking for years. You can be a really good female roommate one day and a really good wife the next day, depending on the circumstances, and then you can switch. And maybe one day you need to not even be a really good female roommate because you need to be protecting yourself and you need to withdraw to safety because you're in a dangerous environment. So which one are you supposed to do? You're supposed to work diligently to be good at all three. I'm really good at protecting myself in a dignified manner. I'm really good at being a pleasant female roommate. I'm really good at being a wife. So don't try to decide which one to be overall. Just get good at all three. And then when you're released from the calling, because I've met many women who are, they get a call from God after another visit with him, And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've done an excellent job of striving to be a wife to this man. He is no longer in a position to receive you as a wife. You are released from the calling. And I invite you to now go have as good as of uh, a single woman, single mother life as we can help you. Get. I've never met a woman yet who goes, hooray. I love that idea. Here's your hand cart across the Mississippi River in the frozen snow. Yay. Guys think that you want to go through that. Is there evidence that this marriage is dead? And from God's perspective that you will be supported if you decide to move on? Do you, you still need to work on opening that line of communication so that you can actually get clear answers? If you don't feel like God's communicating with you, then that is where I encourage you to send your efforts and your attention. Father, I, this is too serious. This is too big. James chapter 1, verse 5, I do not have the wisdom to know what to do with this. I am a willing servant, but I don't have enough wisdom. Any questions on the second bullet point or comments? I just want to validate that, that I've seen probably not as many as you, but I've seen a lot of times where that is the answer that women get, and it seems really... Scary, and what I would say to that is if you do get that message that it's okay that you've done enough and you can move on, that you should prepare yourself for miracles because I have seen doors open and paths cleared in ways that I never would have seen. I think in my work that I've done with women who have walked this path of divorce. That has strengthened my testimony that God is aware of his daughters stronger than anything, because I've seen literal miracles that have happened as women make that choice, even though it's not what they want. A lot of times it is, he'll he'll provide a way if that's the answer that you get. Thank you. The same is true going the other direction. Um, I don't know how much detail you have about Hallie's background, but Hallie had some pretty legitimate reasons to end her marriage. Most human beings would look at her past and go, girl, this is a no brainer. OK, this is you, you just be done. Just get out of this. OK, and so when you're striving to fulfill your stewardship with God, your the miracle of being able to recover back into the marriage is just as miraculous as being able to move into the single world. Ladies, the only good news, if you find yourself here, is there is a miracle ahead of you. Don't know which one it is, but it's one or the other. So it's not a gloomy outcome. President Nielsen's frequent visits with a enthusiastic view of the future is because he can see that there is a miracle no matter which direction you go. So please keep that in mind from a personal perspective, because with my limited intelligence and vision at our seven, eight year mark in my marriage, I could not see how it could become a good and healthy marriage. I could not see how we could move into a place where we actually rejoiced and edify each other. But as uh, Anelody just said, I needed to have a whole new vision of my wife's strengths and weaknesses and become more resourceful with their strengths for me to really be able to enhance what she brings to the table instead of be frustrated with it. And I had to develop a whole new set of machinery. I served my mission in Detroit And I got to go through one of those big uh, car factories and they explained to me that when they change cars, they change all the machinery so that it can produce the desired outcome. And so the concept of my brain being born again as a husband, so that I could have a whole new approach to being a husband. I love the transition. I like what my brain did. So I have no resentment that I had to do all that work. I love the outcome. And can I add my testimony to that? Because... um you know, my situation is very difficult also. And I believe that my brain was born again, just like that. So even though my marriage wasn't what I thought it should be or expected life would be like, um, because I was able to have a born again brain, I was led to information that absolutely changed my perspective about what to expect from my husband. And I will tell you, the love affair that we have now is just so much better than anything we ever experienced at the beginning of our marriage thank you thank you
0: you have just finished listening to another principle that is one of many that you will find in a special class that i've put together called the marriage repair workshops and the Lazarus Lectures. This is a compilation of principles that I have pulled from my years of training, study and therapeutic experience, designed to give you the tools, the vision, the ideas, everything that is necessary to take a relationship that has experienced catastrophic levels of unpleasantness and falling apart and rebuild it almost as if raising it from the dead. Please follow the links and attend at least one of our marriage repair workshops so that you can get a feel for what you will learn and get your attachment to the multimedia classroom that holds videos, audios, articles from me and several other specialists that we call the Lazarus Lectures, a 40 lesson series building from one principle to another so that you can discover what is necessary to pull off a miracle in your relationship. I hope you'll find great value in this, I hope those of you who find yourselves unable to afford the thousands of dollars necessary to attend a marriage therapist, especially one that's really good and is not as available as we would like therapists to be, please, please study this material in the Lazarus Lectures and attend the Marriage Repair Workshops so that we can help you get things back to the way you want them. We'll see you then.